Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men develop their character, identity, and mindset in order to activate their potential and achieve their goals in life. And so today we have on another special guest. His name is Michael Anthony. He is an entrepreneur, award-winning speaker, best-selling author, podcast host, coach, mentor, and an advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. Thank you for coming to the show, Michael. Man, it is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And so I guess to give people a little bit of background information about you, for those who aren't familiar with your work, could you tell them a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I, I work primarily with uh, adult survivors of childhood trauma because my mission is to end generational trauma in my lifetime. And while I recognize that's improbable, far-fetched, likely unfeasible, um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to try. And so my, my mission is to create expansion of education, help people do the hardest thing we ever do and learning to love ourselves um, and then make a trickle down effect. So it hits our youth and then they build it back up and we create real change in the world. Okay. And so I'm assuming that your inspiration for doing that came from your own personal experience in, in life, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I, my, my life was kind of dark coming up like a lot of people, unfortunately. And, you know, I had a, a really dark phase in my, my twenties and, you know, 12 years later, here I am talking to you after doing a lot of work, man. Yeah, I bet. Uh, just from personal experience for reading your story, of course, I definitely can't relate to the type of stuff that you went through, but just seeing how different things throughout my development kind of affected me into adulthood and how they affected my future actions and relationships and such, I can definitely see the value in the type of stuff that you do. And so if you don't mind, could you kind of tell the audience a little bit about your backstory and what eventually led to you uh, getting into this field? Yeah, 100%. So I'll give you the elevator pitch version of it. So at four years old, my mother, uh, she was a drug addict and alcoholic. She actually cut off my right index finger. So that starts to give you kind of baseline immediately. Uh, my stepfather, hyper abusive, the kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather, never met my real dad, grew up in poverty, was homeless a lot. Uh, and but by the time I was like 10 years old, I lived with like 30 different families, just getting bounced around place to place. Um, at 12, I got high for the first time, drunk at 13, started selling drugs, running with guns, breaking in houses, stealing cars, got expelled from school, got put in a last chance program. And, and then they just handed me my diploma. They're like, you, you got to get out of here, man. And um, I was trying to find the solution for poverty. I was like, what is happening in the world? Why is everything so bad for me all the time? And, and I thought it was money. And so I said, by the time I'm 21, I'm going to make $100,000 a year. And I wanted to do it legally. This was really important because I'd been in handcuffs. My best friends have been arrested. My three childhood best friends have been murdered. Most of my family have been to jail. And I was just like, I got to change this. I, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to go to jail or I'm going to get killed. I just knew it was going to happen. And so I decided to do it legally. I said, let me figure out how to put myself in a position to be successful. And then by the time that I was 21, I landed a job with a Fortune 10 company. You have to keep in mind, no high school diploma. They handed this thing to me, no college education. And by the time that I was 26, I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep because money exacerbates the chaos of our life, especially if you haven't done the work or dealt with a lot of the darkness. And I asked myself this one day, I was like, Michael, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And these words, no excuses, just results came to mind. And that forced me to go and like really look at myself and ask myself who I was. And I didn't know because the only thing that I ever tried to do was survive. I never thought I could build myself into being a person. And so I just started doing the work. I got deep, deep, deep into therapy, like serious about it. Men's group therapy, CBT, EMDR. And then I started getting really deep into personal development and self-help. And I used, you know, here's what's funny, man. I used to look at these guys like, you know, Tony Robbins, Brendan Burchard, Mel Robbins, Marie Forleo, whoever it is. And I go, these guys are a joke. Like, what is this they're talking about? My life could be great if I believe in myself. They are not from where I'm from. And, and then I started understanding something. 
And that's if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. And I started forcing myself to educate. And then through that, I started getting certifications in trauma education. And now I have like 30 or 40. I, honestly, I've lost track. I know that's irresponsible, but it's true. <laughs> um, and so today, today, my life's very different. I never planned on being an author, a speaker, coach, advocate. But I believe that we're morally obligated to make the world a better place than the place that we came into. And so that's kind of the, the short version of how I got to this moment. Wow, you have, a, you have an amazing story because when you talk about all the things that you went through and how you're able to eventually get past those obstacles to find success, it's really inspiring. And one of the first things that kind of stuck out to me from your story was how you talked about how coming from poverty, coming from the worst of the worst type of situation, how you still found the way, even despite those disadvantages, like just being handed your high school diploma and not having a college degree, you still found ways to uh, reach a high level of success. And so could you kind of talk about the mindset or I guess um, how you had to develop your outlook on life to be able to get to that point to where you got past those self-limiting beliefs that might have been holding you back? Yeah. And, and look, and I will say this money does not dictate success. And a lot of people think it does. And so I even thought it did because growing up, I was like, I either want to be like Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, or I want to be Jay-Z. And the thing that those guys had in common is they were rich. What I didn't understand though, that came to me much, much later was they were themselves. And that to me became this incredible precursor for my life as like, how can I become me? We all go through bad things. We all have to step into resilience in some capacity, whether you're from a chaotic background like mine or whether or not people just hand you things that I don't think it matters. We have to have choices in our lives that create the life that we want to have. And a big problem in my life, I was just blaming everybody all the time. It was your fault, the school's fault, my parents' fault, the community's fault, the government's fault. It's easy to do that. We make that a scapegoat. We go, well, it's not on me. My life is bad because it's everyone else's problem. When you rearrange the way that you think about this, it will change your life because it means that you have to take responsibility. I never took responsibility for my life, not for selling drugs, not for stealing cars, not for hurting people, not for lying to people, not for all of the bad things that I'd done. I just like, not my fault. This is just who I am. And that's one of the most limiting things that we can say. But it's easy to come by that because it's it's much harder to go introspective and and address the flaws in your life. And we all have them. Like, I don't, I don't want to get it twisted. We all have them. And I'm the first to raise my hand. I still do. Even though I do all these things, like I'm still always working on being one degree better than I was yesterday. You asked about mindset, particularly though. I believe this, and I think this is practical and people can carry this with them. What you think becomes what you speak and what you speak become your actions and your action become your reality. And if you believe that you're capable of doing something and you put in the work on a long enough timeline, that will come true. And then that's this thing we call self-actualization. Now, if you're telling yourself, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable enough, it's everyone else's fault, then wouldn't it be true that that would be your reality as well? The hard part about this is we often grow up and people just reinforce this idea that we aren't worthy. The hardest thing that we will ever do is determine that we are. And to be honest with you, the only way I've found this to come to pass is by doing the incredibly difficult things that move you towards that life. And that starts so much with, we all know deep down inside, we have that gut feeling, that thing that keeps us awake at night that we think or know or believe that we should do. Until you start doing that, your life will never change. You have to make the change in your life if you want to see change happen. And then by doing that, you build yourself up and eventually find yourself having this thing called self-esteem, self-worth, value. You know, I go look at my life 10 years ago, being 27 years old, I had zero self-esteem. 
closet full of Jordans, Sean John suits. I'm aging myself a little bit here. You know, I had, a, <laughs> I had this beautiful condo, awesome car, all the women. And that was not living. I was not living because I was not in alignment with who I am, my values. I challenge you right now, name your values. And if you cannot name them, then you have a huge problem. And I would say 97% of human beings can't name what they stand for. And you've heard the old adage, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And you'll find yourself living out of alignment. And people will listen and go, that's woo-woo. I'm telling you right now, it works. When you know who you are and you follow your gut, you will never be wrong. Because if you think that you're capable of doing something and you're creating the change in your life in alignment with the person that you believe that you are based on your values, your wants, your needs, your interest, and your personal boundaries, then on a long enough timeline, you can do anything. But you have to understand this. There ain't no Disney moment and nobody's coming to save you. If you want to create a life, you are going to have to put in the work and there's no such thing as an overnight success. It'll take you 11 years to sit down and have this conversation today. Wow. So just to kind of recap and tell you what I gather from what you're talking about, one of the first things that really stuck out to me was how you talked about, or you probably didn't use this term, but the way it was emphasized in my head was energy, that type of energy that you put out with your thoughts and your beliefs it finds a way to manifest and make itself come true in your life. That's the first thing that I kind of picked up on. And then the second thing where you talked about values, I can definitely relate to that because it wasn't until I started to look for things that were internal life values. So I could base my self-worth and value on things that were within my control. It wasn't until I took that step until I could start building true self-esteem because like you said, having like the closet full of Jordans and things like that, a lot of stuff that was external, were the things I used to determine my self-worth, the validation that I got from the people around me with them giving me recognition for those external things. And it wasn't until I started finding things that aligned with who I wanted to be that were value-based and started pushing towards that and making sure that my actions aligned with that, that I start to see a difference in my level of happiness, my self-esteem, confidence, and, and that sort. And so one question I like to ask about that is what was your process like whenever you decided to kind of sit down and determine what your values are going to be in the type of man that, that you want it to be? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it, it kind of just happened through momentum. And, and momentum is such a big part of the nomenclature of creating change in your life. And this means that it's at the baseline. Like you have to just keep going forward. And so initially it started with, you know, I'd read like Tony Robbins or I'd go to a personal development seminar or, you know, I'd read Don Peebles, you know, and all these different things. And I just kept noticing, man, there, there's something about these people that I don't, I don't have in my own life. And, and that was the self-understanding, the self-recognition, the being able to name who they were. And, and I just kept seeing this word values pop up everywhere. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't know what that means. And so I just started going deeper and deeper into it. And then I was listening, I was listening to an audiobook. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name. I've been trying to remember for like eight years that I can't remember. And, and they were just talking about alignment and values. And I just grabbed, I literally just grabbed a dictionary and I started thinking about all these words about who it is that I could be. And I started looking up words like power and I started working, looking up words like love. And I started looking up words like leadership. And I just started defining those words in my life. Like what, what does that mean? And I, I wrote a list. Sometimes you got to do the work yourself. People aren't just going to hand you the list. And so I wrote this list and I just started looking at all of these words. And I was like, what are the words that resonate the most? And I was thinking about buildings, right? Most buildings have four pillars and then they have a support pillar, right? So that they don't fall down so that they can stand strong so that if one falls, at least you can replace it. And I came to honesty, leadership, self-actualization and kindness. And then there's another one. It's not really a value, but I call it no excuses, just results. I don't know how to make that a value, but it's kind of like this motto that overarchs over my life. But kindness, self-actualization, leadership, and honesty, these were all the things I was not until I decided to be them. 
And that's the hard part about this, because you're going to have to give something up to become the person that you want to be. You're going to have to give up your old mindset, maybe your neighborhood, maybe your friends. For some of us, it's our family. That's a hard truth. There are people holding you back, but you might also have to give up the video games all night and the hanging out with the girls and the getting drunk and the things that don't actually create change in your life. And you're going to have to give up your old identity. And that's a really difficult thing to do. And I'm not saying you don't carry bits and pieces of that with you. Trust me when I'm saying I'm still stubborn. There's no question about that. I'm still as stubborn today as I was 15, 20 years ago. But everything in my life filters through those values, kindness, honesty, leadership, self-actualization. And that matters to me because I believe in that for myself. I believe in that also that it must be reciprocated. It must be given back to me by the environment. The energy I put out in the world better be given back to me right? Or I know that I'm not with the right people, the right places, the right things. It's the same reason why like, I don't need to go buy a Cadillac again. I don't need to go buy Jordans again. So somebody looks at me and goes, he must have his stuff together. Cause I don't, I never will. I don't know that anyone ever 100% has everything together because when you do, you stop learning. When you stop learning, I don't understand the reason to continue to create momentum going forward. And so when you're driven by this idea of becoming a learner, right? You can go anywhere in life. And so you have these values because they are the precursor for everything that's next. Think about this. How could I be a leader if I stop learning? How can I be honest if I stop doing the things that are in alignment with me? How can I be kind if I let people be mean to me? Right? How can I self-actualize? And that means to live my life on my terms, if I don't live my life on my terms. And so your values create this beautiful baseline for you to go and create the life that you want to have. Now, I will say this, it's uncomfortable, it's clunky, it's a little awkward, you're going to have to get used to it, and then you're going to have to reinforce it. And then you will mess up, you will fail, you will make mistakes. And those become data points. And what you do with those data points is you assess them. It doesn't mean that you can't keep going. A lot of people fail and they quit, right? Failure is so difficult. But when you think about failure as data points and you can just keep going forward knowing, all right, I made a mistake over here. I'm going to assess it. I'm going to look at it, but I'm going to keep moving forward. While in alignment with those values, you'll be unstoppable. I like that you touched on being a lifelong learner because I feel like there's something that so many people just in the world in general are missing. It seems like people kind of stop their learning after college or after high school. And it seems like some people never really do start their learning process for figuring themselves out. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up. And one of the questions that popped into my head when you were talking about the shaping of your values and how it affects your life is how did, how did it affect the people that were around you whenever you started to live a life that was based in those values that you came up with? That's a, I love that question. Um, and let me say this first too, touching on the, the learner idea. I didn't start learning until I was 26. You have time. You can go start learning right now. Go to the library. It's free. They have these things called books. You start there. You start on YouTube. You start on Google. It does not matter. Go and educate yourself because the way that the educational system is built now is for you to fall into line. And if you do that without also questioning who you are, then, then you're going to be stuck still. So go think about the things that you're curious about and go learn about them. It'll change your life. I promise you. Speaking of the people, one of the things that you have to understand is when you change, people around you will notice. Jay-Z has one of my favorite quotes of all time. People saying you changed. Well, I didn't do all this work to stay the same. And that hit me so hard, man, because I was watching these people around me going, you're different. You don't party anymore. You don't hang out anymore. You don't chill anymore. We ain't chilling, playing Madden all night anymore. What's going on? And I'd be like, yeah, because I don't want to. That's not who I want to be anymore because that's not who I'm driven to become. It's very difficult. And I'm not saying you have to eliminate people from your life, but I am saying you should take into very high consideration 
the people who are in your life and whether or not they're bringing value or taking value from you. Some of your boys are in your way. Some of the people you're dating are in your way. Your uncle's in your way, right? These people, and look, I get it. It's so difficult because as human beings, we're communal species. I keep, I keep a tight knit group of people around me, my people who I, I will die for, right? And because they are in alignment with me, they know that, but it didn't always used to be that way. My best friend, I haven't talked to my, the person who I would consider have been my best friend for seven, eight years. I haven't talked to him in six years, man. Because as I changed, as I grew, he did not grow with me. He did not follow lead. He did not reach out. He did not do those things. And I go, that's okay. I don't get to control people. I don't get to control what they do, how they think, how they feel. The only thing I get to control is me and asking myself, am I in alignment with the right people? And we have these seasons of life, right? You're going to ebb and flow and change and grow. And as you do that, the people around you will too. You may find even in relationships, you've been with somebody for 10 years and you're like, yo, this isn't who I'm in alignment with. And you'll do your best to course correct. I think this is super important, but ultimately you have to ask yourself a question. Is this person in the way of the person that I want to be? And it's not easy. Like for real, it's not. I think there, there's nothing more difficult than that. You know, when I was, when I was 18 years old, actually when I was 14 years old for the first time, I put a restraining order on my own mother. Imagine that, right? Because I knew if I kept her in my life, what would happen? And that year, that season that I had a restraining order on her, I actually got straight A's. I literally, I'll show you the report card. I'm dead serious. And as soon as I let her back in my life, I went back to straight F's. And at 18, I told her, I said, you're not allowed to be in my life anymore. I could foresee the future, her drug addicts, her drug addiction, her alcohol addiction, the fact that she put our lives in danger. I knew where that was going to end. And I had to trust myself in that moment to say, Michael, you're making the right decision here. It's not that it wasn't hard. To this day, it's the hardest choice I've ever made. And until the day she died, I only talked to her one time. You have to figure that out for you, though. I, I gave her every chance a human being could give another human being. And I just saw the road. I knew where it led. And even today, I carry that same idea with me. You know, where is this road going? And that's not to shun people. That's not to shun people down. I'll tell you this, the, the higher up that I've elevated my life is the higher up the people next to me lives are elevated as well. And it's amazing when you're in that kind of synchronicity because you can create powerful things together. But if you got that person in your life who was trying to take away from you, you have to ask yourself, why am I letting this person be here? And it's not easy but this is your life and you have to make hard decisions. First, I want to say that I really respect you with how candid you are about your story and how you're willing to dive into those different areas of it. They might not necessarily be comfortable to talk about and, uh, or definitely, um, what is the word, you know, something that's a very uncomfortable topic because, you know, of course, no one would ever think that they'd be able to be in a spot where they could, you know, cut off their own mom. And so for you to make that decision, knowing that it was what was best for you and knowing that even though she was your mom, uh, it wasn't, it, it wasn't something that could work for you long-term. Uh, I respect you for having the courage to make that decision. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, an element of my, of my specific situation personally, where, and I hope eventually I have the courage to be that candid and talk about it in that type of detail to where I can help my listeners. And that's just the first thing I wanted to say, but, um, something else that stuck out to me. I ended up coming out with two questions from what you were talking about when it comes to the type of people that you're around. And so I've talked to a lot of guests about this same thing about how you can't always do the same things at the same people and how you might get some pushback. But um, some, I'll ask you a personal question. This first one, this is something that I personally struggled with and something that I'd like to kind of get your advice on is what would you say is the best way or like a polite way to make that known to those people, because I feel like in my specific situation, I've been extremely unfair to those people who I might've, I guess, grown away from because they might still be reaching out to me to do things. And I feel like I'm not giving them that respect that they deserve by being 
completely open with them about the type of changes I'm trying to make in my life and how I don't see uh, our relationship fitting into that. So that's my first question. And I have another one after that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, first off, that's a, it's very, very, very difficult question. My, my best friend, Seth, um, I rarely say his name, but I want to keep it real with you right now. When, when we were 21, I got him a job and, um, and he kind of embarrassed me. I'll be honest with you, kind of embarrassed me. And, uh, and I put myself out there and I, we'd been best friends since we were 11 years old, dude. And, uh, and I, I stopped talking to him. I just ghosted him. And this, I mean, this is 25 years ago or something crazy, right? 20 years ago. And, um, a couple years later, Seth got murdered and I never got to say, uh, I'm sorry for not being there for you. I never got to say it's all good, brother. I get it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I was trying to control the outcome, right? I was trying to control other people's lives. I gave this to you, go and do something with it. Right. Not realizing like it wasn't for him. It's not his vibe. It's not what he needed. And so, you know, I I would say that I don't necessarily have regrets in life, but that's one of those things that I think about very often where I'm like, I never make that mistake again. Right. Data point. Honesty is everything. And I wasn't honest with him. I should have been like, dude, you, you hurt me. I'm not in alignment with you. I can't be around this right now. Let's, let's come back in a while. I'll be here for you if you for real need me. But right now I got to bounce. And I think that's the thing that you have to think about, right? People misconstrue honesty for cruelness because we come from a society where we have to sugarcoat everything. And when you stop doing that and you just keep it, think about this. People are always like, keep it 100. Nobody's keeping it 100 because they're terrified of the idea that they're going to either A, hurt someone's feelings or B, that they will be judged. And I think the hardest thing that you can do is be honest. That's why it's my number one value. And it's trying, it's difficult, it's uncomfortable, but it starts with having the conversation. See, people get in conflict and they don't know how to handle conflict because we're never taught how to handle conflict. And then when conflict comes around, we just try to sweep it under the rug or brush it off or don't show up, but it's still there because it's probably keeping you awake at night, right? And that's circumstantial. That's not even just this one. So this is everything, right? You lay in bed at night and you're like, man, I got to do that thing. People appreciate honesty when delivered through the scope of kindness. Because again, honesty and cruelty are not in cahoots. They're not the same thing. They are not mutually exclusive. You can show up. You can keep it real and say, hey, trying to build this. I love you. I appreciate you. We've done a lot together. But as I go forward and I see that you're not, I, I don't know how to do this when you're over here trying to pull me back, that's going to be a hard conversation to have. The person on the other end of that, they're going to probably be hurt. They might be upset, but what do you do if you don't do that? You know what I mean? How do you go to bed at night knowing that every single day you're like leaving somebody hanging, but in your heart, you're like, I need to say this. The, the hard thing about any type of conflict in life when it comes to the people that we care about is saying it, is saying it. Cause look, it's not going to go away if you don't. Right. Right. It, it doesn't it just kind of lingers there. Thing. Yeah. Think about that. Here, here's a great analogy. You walk outside in front of your, in your front lawn, right? There's a whole bunch of trash on the ground. You can walk over it all day long, but it's still going to be there. And it's your front lawn and ain't going to get cleaned up till you clean it up. And that's the hard part about conflict. That's the hard part about relationships, making hard decisions while trying to build something and knowing that you're, I don't hear you're being spiteful. You're not like I'm being mean. It's just, you're trying to move forward. And, and look, I don't think you have to blame people. I don't think you have to step into and go, it's your fault. You just go, I'm headed in this direction and we're not on the same plane right now. I hope we get to ride next, you know, together in the future. 
Okay. Thank you for that. You know, I appreciate that. And I guess that kind of confirms what I was thinking. It's funny how you can really know the answer in the back of your head, but it doesn't actually click for you to do it until you get that advice from somebody else. But you know, I guess that's, that might be what I needed in this situation. And so I appreciate that. And totally. uh, but l- let me say this too. I will caution everyone, including you about asking other people's advice. I don't ask anyone's advice. I know this is going to sound crazy. I, I measure myself to people who are one step ahead of me when I'm trying to create and build something. But when it comes to those incredibly difficult life decisions that start in your gut, that dig in your heart, that keep you awake at night in your head, if you ask people's advice, you're going to be stuck. You just got to go for the truth of who you are. Because when you do that, when you go through the truth of who you are in alignment with your values, and you make the decisions based on your gut, you will never be wrong. But people will come in when you ask them, hey, what's your opinion on this? And often they're terrified to do the very thing you're talking about, right? And they'll give you all the advice in the world, but they've never done it, right? And so I caution you. I I, I understand and I appreciate you asking the question. I, I have a mad amount of respect for you for doing that. But I caution you in doing so. Because what if you said just now, you said you said you confirmed what I needed to hear, but what if I didn't, right? What if I didn't? And then you were like, oh man, now I'm confused. So that's why I always tell people really think deeply about when you are asking people advice, because if you follow your gut, you'll never be wrong. That's very different than having no clue at all, right? So perfect right. perfect part of this is like in business, right? I have a business mentor and we're talking about scaling a business and we're talking about putting the right people in the right place and talking about how as a service-based provider, I can create massive impact in the world. Nobody in my circle has ever done that before. So I have to reach a level up. That's very different because that's not me questioning my gut. That's not me questioning my heart. That's not me questioning my mind. It's me trying to find a solution for a problem, right? You see the juxtaposition there? Yes. So with one situation, you have no pre-existing knowledge or anything to be able to reference from to be able to come up with the decision. So you're going to someone that does have it. But then in the other situation, you're the one that's an expert in that area. But you're, you're saying not to ask an outsider on something that you know all the details about. Is that what you're saying? You are the expert of your life, brother, because nobody else is you. Okay, I guess I understand. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, it makes sense. That adds up. And so I appreciate you uh, bringing that to my attention. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then the other question I had, too, and it's also kind of related to this topic, but I wanted to know, did you ever, well, I'm sure you have, but like, what were some of the positive effects that you saw? your change having on some of the people around you? So many. And and I say this all the time. I didn't sign up for this job. I don't even want to do this, to be honest with you. But I feel morally obligated. I feel driven by it. Because I don't want another child to have to go through what I went through. And if we don't start healing as men, as women, as communities, as families, then I will always be in need and I don't want to be right. One of these things that happened that, that changed my life forever. So I used to write this blog and nobody read it for a long time, right? Nobody's going to read your stuff. Nobody's going to listen to your music. Nobody's going to listen to the podcast for a long time, but that doesn't mean that you stop. It means that you keep going because that's what you want. And so I'm writing this blog and one day this person emails me and like, whoa, nobody's ever emailed me before. And it'd been a couple of years into it. And they go, that, that blog that you wrote changed my life. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy, man. That's crazy. That's like super intense. No one's ever said something like that to me. I was like, I messaged them back and I was like, well, thank you. I'm going to keep writing it. What do you want me to write about? Right. I kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, kept, kept putting stuff into the world, my art into the world. And then someone messaged me and they're like, that thing that you wrote, it saved my life. And I was like, whoa, that's even heavier than the first thing. 
And the next thing you know, I kept writing, I kept creating, I kept making art. And now almost on a daily basis, I get those messages. But at first, nobody listened. And at first, no one cared. And at first, I was only doing it for me. And the truth is, I still do it for me because I'm driven. It's my mission, not anyone else's. But it also impacted beyond the strangers on the internet and the folks I'd never met and the unbroken nation that wasn't even a thing yet. It was impacting my, my friends. It was impacting my neighbors, my community, my relationship with my brothers and my sister. They didn't talk to me for a long time. I made a lot of mistakes, man. And through my own journey of healing and getting better and getting stronger and learning to love myself, a word that men are terrified of, by that proxy, it started to impact them. I was texting my brother this morning, text my other brother last night, text my sister the other day. We were on a call. I didn't talk. At one point, my brother said, never talk to me again. You do some work. You lead by example. You might be able to mend those gaps. I'm not saying you will. You don't get to control other people. But can you show up for you first? Do the things you need to do. And so every day I'm thinking about this word impact and what it really, really means. Because I used to write down in my journal. I journal every day. It's such an important part of my life. Every day. I journal my goals, my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions, the things I'm scared of. You know, I'm always trying to understand myself better. And I used to write, help 25 people. That feels reasonable, right? You're like, that That means I'm doing something. And then I started writing, help 2 million people. And I was like, man, that is so small. There's like 8 billion people on planet Earth. I don't think you can help everyone. That's, I don't know that that's feasible. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. And then I started writing help 250 million people in the next 10 years. So by the time that I'm sitting down in 2031, hoping that I make it that long, my mission is help 250 million people. But it starts with me first. And then it starts with my neighbors my family, my community, my city, my state, my country, then the world. We all have the ability to create massive impact, but it starts with us first. And people have to understand something very important about this journey and about life. Self-care means putting yourself first as long as you are doing it in a way where you're not burning the things around you down. Don't get it misconstrued. Don't get it twisted. There are people who think taking care of themselves first means burning down their house, burning down the neighborhood, standing up on top of all the bodies. It doesn't. It means raising everybody up, pulling people up, taking people up, but only after you've done it for yourself. If you can't look in the mirror, and be okay with the reflection on the other side, you got a lot of work to do. And that's okay. We all do. I'm never going to stop doing the work, whatever that means. But by doing that, you'll create massive change in the world. Okay, I appreciate that answer. And something that it kind of made me think about, going back to something you mentioned earlier when you are talking, is, uh, of course, you talk about the importance of self-care. And you also mentioned self-love and the issue that young men have with doing that. And so what are some of those lapses that you see among young men that are leading to them not being able to do that, uh, that self-care and that self-love that you talk about? Yeah. You know, I think a part of a huge part of it is just think about what we consume, right? I mean, how, like, like for real, think about this. You don't have to answer it, but think about it. How many of your men friends how many of your bros, how many of your guys, how many of your dudes are you willing to hug? And I'm not talking about that bro hug, that two pats on the back thing, but an embrace like human beings, like you would your mother, like you would someone you love. We can't even hug each other, man. Like, let's start there. Like, I, I don't even want to do the bro handshake hug thing. Like, that brings, that's nothing. That's nonsense. Can you extend yourself through the discomfort of what society has deemed as unreasonable, which is nonsense, 
to be in connection with another human being. But think about the words that you're using too. How are you talking to yourself? Are you being mean to yourself? How are you going to love yourself if you're being mean to yourself? Some of you are out here. Some of you are out here saying things to yourself that you would either get punched in the face for or go to jail for. Everything starts with how you talk to yourself. And it's very binary, yes or no. And I tell my clients every single day, whenever we're coaching, whenever they're, they're with me, whenever we're trying to step into something that's next, you have to be the kind of person that is kind to themselves. Because the world is cruel, man. I'm not saying it's not kind too, but it's definitely cruel. Your home is cruel sometimes. Your neighborhood, your school is cruel sometimes. You got all the weight of that on you. And yet you're being cruel to yourself. That doesn't make any sense. And that was how I ended up, how I ended up being, you know, 26, 27 years old, my life in chaos. And so the thing that I always think about is it's very yes or no. Are you kind to yourself or not? There's no in between. You can't call yourself stupid and change the world. You know what I'm saying? You can't spill the milk and get pissed off at yourself and think you're going to impact things. Like things happen. Let it go. Stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to hold on so tightly. Step into this understanding and knowing something really important. If you can be kind to yourself first, then you start to create momentum and momentum can eventually lead to love. Some people are probably terrified to say, I love myself. Not in like this cowish, callous like bro way because we all got that friend i used to be that friend like i love me some me Terrell owens taught me that i i unlearned that you know he's a football player if you're familiar and he'd be like i love yeah. me some me that's hubris that's hubris but maybe it's self-confidence maybe it's false confidence i don't know everybody's got a different story but can you go and look in the mirror and be like i love myself i'm sorry to myself i forgive myself and that's really where it starts you have to build up the fact that you're a human being with human being emotions, stop hiding from it, right? I don't, I didn't cry, man. I'll tell you this. I didn't cry for 15 years. That's crazy. When I found out my best friends got three of them murdered, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know tears, no emotions, no feelings, no thoughts. And then I started doing the work and I got serious about it. I went to therapy like I did. You can be 18 and go to therapy. You can be 15, and go to therapy, You can be 37 or 64 and go to therapy. You can go and work out the emotional pain that you have. So you don't have to carry that weight. So you don't have to carry that burden, right? You're trying to hold it all down by yourself and it doesn't work. It's going to escape one way or the other. Drugs, alcohol, women, not showing up for yourself, not believing in yourself. It's going to come. Deal with it. It will make you stronger. It will not make you weak. Asking for help is not weak. I hate when people say that, man. It drives me crazy. It's probably my biggest pet peeve. Asking for help is the strongest thing that you'll ever do. Think about this. Do you know anyone who's ever done anything great on their own? No. Because I don't. I can't name one. Even the people who've done really bad things had a team. <laughs> right? Right. You can't do anything alone. So stop being scared to ask for help. Hey, man, it's hard out here today. Can you help me? I need somebody to talk to today. Can you help me? I just need to be embraced. Can you give me a hug for five seconds, man? Make me feel like something. And that's hard, especially as men. And especially if you're a man of color listening, like I get it. You know, I get it. I grew up in the hood. I went to the worst high school, one of the worst high schools in America, I've seen the damage of the chaos of men hurting each other. I've been one of those men. And when you step into the understanding that if you can be kind to yourself first, you can then impact and create love for yourself and your community and your world. It's a game changer. You know, if there's one thing that the guys take from this episode, if you're going to only be one thing, I would hope that this is the, the point that they take from it, the one you just talked about, because I think that's so important. I think it's something that's missing for a lot of guys. I definitely agree with what you're saying, because the world alone will already make you feel this small if you let it. But then on top of that, if you're putting those same types of thoughts and beliefs onto yourself, it really kind of makes it to where you kind of 
fit into that mold that, that, that you're making in the world is making for you where to where you actually become something that's, I guess, not as great as you want to be. And the thing about it is that for anyone that wants to have an impact on other people, you can't be nothing and, and create something. You have to be able to build that, that self-worth and to know that you are somebody and that you offer something before you can truly and openly often offer value uh, to others, at least in my opinion, that's, that's how I think it goes. And something that's helped me with that was doing affirmations. And so I have a success coach that I talk to um, every two weeks. And one of the things that he gave me as an assignment was that we sat down and we wrote down some affirmations that I'm supposed to say uh, whenever I get make my bed in the morning. And that was one of the things that definitely helped me to be able to reframe how I looked at myself because I had that tendency to always be really tough on myself and have like extremely strict expectations to always kind of beat myself up and say, uh, and say, you know, negative self-talk and that sort of thing. And so I definitely hope that the guys listen to what you just said about that and how it can affect your psyche, because it goes back to the same thing you said about the energy that you put out in the world. And I hope that they start to make a conscious effort to move forward and go a little bit easier on themselves. Uh, maybe not necessarily like you don't have to make your expectations for yourself easier, but I would say, uh, with the self-talk and all that, make sure that you acknowledge the good things and pay more attention to that as opposed to saying all the negative. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, I I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you, man. And I think about this all the time. Are you taking care of yourself or are you taking it easy on yourself? Cause those are two very different things. And in this process, you got to push yourself sometimes. Also love what you said about affirmations. I don't know if people are going to watch this or not, but here are mine. There's 10 of them right here every single day. If you ain't building yourself up, who's going to. Yeah, nobody it's, it's your life. And the thing is, you can expect other people to care more about your success, your mental well-being than you. You should be your best advocate. Uh, you're, you should be your biggest cheerleader, I think. And so this stuff is just all the more important. Yeah, 100%. And, and when you think about it, you know, there are people in your life who will and want to support you. But we see it when the guy around us isn't taking care of himself. And sometimes you got to get a little hard on them too and go, hey, man, you ain't bringing nothing to the table. Time for you to step up. But you got to step up for yourself first because you can't just go tell people that and then go home and you ain't living that life. So falsity. Right. I agree. And that's definitely been one of the tough things about doing this podcast with me talking to people and creating content. It was also a it also put me in a spot where I had to hold myself accountable on a lot of those things that I was struggling with. And so for the most part, it's definitely made me step up to the occasion and, and be better, but there still are some things that I struggle with, but it's definitely not something that I regret because I feel like if it weren't for that pressure that comes from me creating the content and having that out there, then I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And so I, I definitely agree with that. And something else that you brought up about friends, it also made me think about another point that you had mentioned earlier about how guys don't really feel comfortable doing things like giving hugs and, and that type of stuff. And I can definitely relate to that because there've been times where it's something that I tried to work on being that person that's uh, more empathetic and try and find ways to help people work through things and to be a listener. But I've even gotten some pushback on that. It seems like, because I've had friends that might've been struggling with something and I say, Hey, this is my chance to, to do this and to be that person that steps up and help. And then it was like, they didn't want it there. Everyone just wanted to kind of handle it on their own or not talk it through. Oh, I got it. It's, it's fine. And I mean, I think that that's so detrimental because if you, if you don't actually take the time to face some of these issues, I feel like you can never truly resolve them. And so that's definitely one of the obstacles that I've run into as I tried to develop myself and help others too. And get rid of some of the, the stigma and some of these things that were holding me back before emotionally. And it's people not being ready for that, not wanting it either. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you don't get any say in that. That's the hard part about it. Right. I have never helped anyone ever. I know this sounds crazy. They're like, well, this guy's an author speaker. Nope. I just laid out the tools. Here they are. You going to do it or not. You going to step up or not. And if you need my help and my support, I will be here for you. Think about this, man. 
I didn't pick up the phone and call you. You know what I'm saying? But if I would have, you would have helped me. And that's the hard part about this. We want to create that help. We want to be impactful. We want to see our friends do better. But it comes back to what I said. Nobody lives for you. Nobody breathes for you. Nobody loves for you. Nobody acts for you except you. And that's the hardest, man, that's the hardest part about this. One of my boys was on meth, right? We were best friends when we were kids. And he got, I won't get into it, but something really, really, really bad happened to him. And I tried to help, but he didn't want to hear it. He didn't, he, I got it. I got it. And I had to let go of the fact that I couldn't control that. And then when his life was taken, I got to sit there and understand something really important. This probably changed my life, honestly. What I understood in that moment, more than any time ever in my whole life, was that that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And it simply means this, you can be there as much as you want for another human being, but their life is ultimately in their hands. And you got to let go of control. You can be that, like, I think about it, it drives me crazy, man. I wish if I had a magic pill that I could give people where I was like, step your life up, I'd be a bazillionaire, right? But you can't do that. The only thing you can do is be there when they need you. You said let go of control and just kind of reflecting on different experiences in my life and also other struggles that I've seen my peers have in theirs. I feel like that phrase right there could apply to so many things, uh, getting rid of that need to always feel like you're in control. But yeah, that's just something that kind of popped into my head. But anyway, it looks like now we're starting to come close on time. And so just to make sure that we get this information for everybody out there so they can find you if they like to reach out to you or check out any of your services, uh, where would you recommend that they look? Yeah. So I'm at Michael Unbroken on all the social media. Um, and you can listen to the Think Unbroken podcast. It's everywhere. Or go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. I want to say this real quick, though, because I think it's really important. And, and I don't care about time. Let me say this. If you let go of control and accept A-C-C-E-P-T, what you can control your life will be very different. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. And taking accountability for those things that are in your control and not putting a focus on the things that, that aren't. I'm sure that it leads to a, a life with a lot less stress. That's one thing I would think. Yeah, definitely. And it's freedom. It's freedom. Because the harder, think about this. If you try to hold on to water, what happens to it? Your hand it will be runs empty. to your fingers. If you just hold your hand open and you let it be there, it'll stay there. It's like my boy Bruce Lee says, be water, my friend. All right. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps everything up. And so once again, I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. I think that you touched on a lot of good points and I hope that the guys listening have a lot of takeaways from this. And I really appreciate what you do. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. It's my pleasure. It's my honor to, to bring value and to serve your community today, man. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. All right.